Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. We have been out for a couple of weeks, just sort of finishing up summer classes, amongst other things, and not really having the time, but we are back giving you new content this week. I'm back once again with David Chain. David, how's it going? How's your summer been? Good. Having a great summer so far. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're, we're coming back closer and closer to the semester, starting back up again, which many of us are not too excited about but that means that we're getting closer and closer to graduation but that's a whole nother thing we're coming at you with a few topics today but i do want to start off and david i want to start out with this point to you because i feel like you know you kind of have a lot of points on this and could feel strongly about this but we're going to start off with talking about the philadelphia eagles and sort of what do we expect from hertz and uh sirianni and they're peering in their first uh full year together hertz Obviously, last year was his rookie year, but with Carson Wentz still in the picture, he only played roughly four games, so this is his first year starting. And then you have Nick Sirianni, who is a first-year head coach. So before I get to it on my side, David, kind of what are you expecting from Hurts and Sirianni and just the Eagles overall in their first year together? Yeah, so the great thing, or maybe the not-so-great thing, depending on how you look at it, with the situation is I have no clue what to expect. I think this could – I think there's like the biggest range of outcomes possible for this because like Sirianni's in his first year. Okay. He seems to be a good motivator. He seems to, you know, have a good connection with the players, that thing that could, you really start him off strong. He could be a really good coach. If he can get the X's and O's down, you know, the other thing of it is that we don't know. He could come in and just not, not be a good play caller. He called some pretty basic plays in a first preseason. Didn't look like he's anything like he's no Sean McVay savant guy when it comes to, you know, schemes and, and drawn up plays. Maybe he's terrible at time management. Like, we just don't really know. It's his first head coaching opportunity. So there's some good with him, some bad. And like the same for Hertz, I could see it going a million different directions. Like if this O-line stays healthy, like they did, it didn't happen last year, but like this is a good O-line. If they can stay healthy, if one of the receivers can break out, Rager, Devontae Smith, um, you, you got some good tight ends uh, on the team. I, I think he could be, I think he can be good. He's, he's pretty accurate. Um, if we put him, you know, in a situation where he can lean on the run, he doesn't have to do too much, um, and he can kind of just rely on on a good offensive line and and some and some weapons that the Eagles haven't had in the past. I think he could be, you know, a good quarterback. I think he can lead this team to a winning record, which is something that most people haven't predicted the Eagles for. It also could go terribly. Um, like Devontae Smith is supposed to be the number one wide receiver. He's been injured in training camp. Regular's been a disappointment. Uh, you don't really have much guys behind him. Ertz could be traded. Um, so on the other hand, you you, and you like could go terribly. The offensive line was just you know battered by injuries last year. If you know Lane Johnson gets injured, Kelsey Brandon Brooks gets injured again, I could really see this just totally breaking down and uh, him really really struggling with a lack of uh, a lack of weapons uh, and a lack of of O linemen. So, like, I have no clue what to expect, which is fun for me as an Eagles fan. I really think this team could compete for the division because um, it's obviously one of the, you know, one of the worst divisions in football. Uh, it's going to be packed together. I think they could win the division. It also could just go terribly, and they could have the, you know, number two pick next year. So I'm interested to see what happens, but I'm a believer in Hurts, and I like Sirianna more than most. So I'm, I'm kind of optimistic, optimistic about this team if I had to choose a path. No doubt. You definitely you bring up many good points there. Um, especially the one about it is true that it is the unknown of the Philadelphia Eagles that makes it so interesting and that's going to make them a fun watch because again this is Nick Sirianni's first year 
as a head coach at like any level, like didn't do it in college, didn't do it in high school. And he's only been a coordinator in the NFL. So this is his first year being that guy, that head guy calling the shots, you know, making roster decisions, being part of that. And I think that that's a very interesting sort of dynamic for him to be in that role. And I feel like I've seen a lot more people sort of falling for Sirianni. I feel like in the beginning, there was a lot of people who didn't like his energy, you know, the whole rock, paper, scissors, shoot thing. They said that it was a little weird and they weren't sure how they felt about him wearing T-shirts of the players like the Brandon Graham T-shirt to practice. But as I've talked to more people, listened to radio, gone on Twitter, all those things, it really seems like the city of Philadelphia is starting to fall more and more in love with Nick Sirianni and how he's performing the way that he's presenting himself. And from what I've seen from the reports from training camp is that he's been like up in it with some people like full on yelling, getting in their face, letting them know what they did wrong and really being assertive and where the rumors were that he was hired because he was going to be a yes man. He was going to be whatever Lori or how he told him to do. He'd say, yes, he wouldn't push back, but more and more I'm seeing that he really does it his way and he could be poised to have a very solid season that paired with Jalen Hurts, who there's not a ton of footage on him. You can watch his college highlights and the four games that he played last year. But again, that's that's basically preseason footage. That's just four games. So there's not a ton of tape on Jalen Hurts. Did not play much in the first preseason game. The second one, obviously, tomorrow night against the Patriots, which I personally think he'll get a lot more reps in to kind of get him up and amped and get into the sort of flow of things as opposed to just throwing him out there for a couple of drives. But I'm with you. I think that I'm a big believer in Hurts. I think that the guy has the talent. He certainly has the leadership. I mean, I've heard that this guy is in hallways quizzing like receivers on their routes and what they would do in certain situations. And apparently the locker room loves to get around this guy. They're behind him. They love his leadership ability, which is awesome to hear for a guy who's a first-year starter and second-year quarterback. He's still a young guy in the NFL. And the weapons around him are definitely serviceable and have the ability to step up if they need him to. Miles Sanders is a running back that, at his full potential, could be a top-10 running back. Like If he reaches his absolute best, he could be a top-10 back. He needs to see that. I think Hurts will help get him there. Because the other thing with Jalen Hurts is he has that running ability. And so when you have that ability to run the ball like Jalen Hurts does, that opens up more you got to make sure that you don't let Hurts break free, which frees up Miles Sanders, which is very interesting. Like you said, Devontae Smith is expected to be the best receiver in the class, although he is injured and he hasn't got any preseason reps. We don't know if he's going to. He may not be ready for week one, but it's trending in the right direction. Uh, you said Jalen Rager has been sort of a disappointment. I know his rookie year he definitely was. I feel like recently there's been a lot of talk about on the – there was the footage of his catching the practice against the Patriots that was all over social media, which looked great. And the secret sort of weapon for the Eagles in Quez Watkins, apparently a lot more people think that he's going to be the wide receiver three over Greg Ward, over Fulgham and Hightower. And we saw him break free for that 79-yard touchdown in week one of the preseason, and there's been a lot of hype around him. Obviously, Hertz had the comment that he's the secret weapon, but it's no longer a secret after that play. Uh, the tight end position is still a very unique one that the Eagles are in right now because you obviously have Dallas Goddard and no one knows what Zach Ertz is going to do, although it's beginning to look more and more like 
at least for the beginning of the year, he's going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. But sort of to your point, I think that the really key thing for the Eagles and letting Jalen Hurts and Sirianni succeed is going to be the O-line. If this O-line can stay healthy and can perform to their absolute maximum, this Eagles team should be vying for a playoff spot. They should be fighting for the division. They should be, if some team breaks down the division and has 12, 13 game season, win season, okay, Eagles aren't going to be there, but they should be competing for a wild card spot regardless if that's the case. You know, you obviously have Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. Those guys are healthy. They're two of the best at their positions. Jason Kelsey is always going to be solid until retirement. Samalu, he's serviceable. There's guys out there who are better than him, but he he can do at the left guard position. And a lot of the hype I've been hearing around Melada is that he could be one of the better left tackles in the league come the end of the season. A lot of trending upward there. But if their offensive line can stay healthy, I think that the Eagles have a great chance at success. I really don't expect this division to be good, but I expect it to be competitive. Like I'm talking the person that wins NFC East probably won't exceed 10 or 11 wins. And I could see the Eagles being right around there. I could see them being right around eight or nine, possibly 10, sort of a last week scenario. I think really the biggest threat to them this year will be the Cowboys. Another thing that really hinges on health for that team. Dak Prescott's been dealing with an injury already this offseason, which is a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But no, I totally agree with you. I think that it is interesting and that it is fun for there to be the unknown because when there is the known, it's sort of like they're supposed to get X amount of wins. If they exceed it, okay. If they don't, then we're bummed. For the Eagles, I've heard people on radio saying this team won't get more than four or five. Okay, that might be a little harsh. And then some people are like, no, Hertz is the guy. They could get 12 or 13. That's a little much. But that's also about a 9-10 game range that people are predicting the Eagles. They just We don't know. You don't know what to expect from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I'm sort of in the boat with you that this team should be right around 500, probably a game above it, because obviously this year, the 17-game season, there's not going to be a 500 team unless there's a tie. So, you know, eliminate the fact that there's going to be a tie. I think the Eagles should be a game or two above 500 and definitely vying for the top spot in the NFC East because I think it's going to be competitive, although not a great, you know, if you're if you're not a fan of the NFC East and one of the teams, you're going to look at the division and say, that's a terrible division. But if you are a fan of the NFC East teams, it's going to be competitive and it's going to be a fun one all around. So sort of, David, showing it back to you, for the Eagles and their season ahead, what is a realistic expectation? At least for, I'll say this, let me reword that. For Jalen Hurts, what's a realistic expectation for his first full year as a starter in terms of wins and overall performance? For Hurts, like something you haven't even mentioned is the running aspect. He's also a great runner. We're focused so much on the throwing, uh, which obviously has to improve for the Eagles to be good. Um, but but like he's still a runner. If he can just be an average thrower, add the running in, I think he can be you know an, an, an a league average quarterback. You know maybe fighting for if he can really break out, fighting for like a top twelve ish guy. Maybe not there, but I think he can be like a league average solid QB if he can just be accurate on short and mid range throws um, and and use his legs to his advantage. And I think he can lead this Eagles team to say say ten wins. Um, 
doing the math it now with the records is, is so annoying now you can't uh rely on the on the pass so that's not 10 and 6 that's 10 and 7 i think that's kind of what you're looking for uh and that might be enough to win the division in a tie if if the redskins or cowboys uh don't break out um so i think they can fight for the division uh but but obviously like a lot of things would have to go right um I'm not throwing out the scenario that none of the wide, none of the wide receivers are good and the O-line is injured and the Eagles have a bottom 10 offense and finish with five wins. I'm not throwing that scenario, scenario at the window, but I tend to be a, a believer in this team. Uh, I think they can, they can fight for the division, which is something that most people wouldn't say. Totally agree with you on that point. Um, sort of going quickly back to your point that we really, we can't throw out the idea of the Eagles completely collapsing and having a terrible year you just with an unknown you can't say oh no they're definitely going to get more than five wins they could get three hurts could get hurt injured week three and they had to roll with flacco like you 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 just you don't know it's an unknown for the eagles but i'm i would tend to agree with you and lean towards the idea that this team assuming most guys are healthy now obviously a part of the game is injuries. There's going to be starters that are going to miss a week or two at a time. That's just that's the game of football. You're not going to make it through a whole healthy season unless you're like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of last year who happened to have all 22 guys healthy for the Super Bowl, which is an absolute miracle. But nonetheless, the, the Eagles are a team that outside of Philadelphia, the, I think people have their eyes on them. Like you're hearing national media, you turn on a first take or the herd or undisputed they're talked about almost on a daily basis of what can this team do? Is Sirianni a viable coach? Is Jalen Hurts going to be able to do what he did in college in terms of leading them to wins? But I totally agree with you. I think they should be right around nine or 10 wins. And given the state of the NFC East, that should be good enough to at least be competing for the division win. Once you get to the playoffs, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother topic to discuss that down the road if they're even in the playoff run at that point we can discuss uh be interesting to watch Jalen Hurts in the playoffs but I think that the Eagles shouldn't be counted out honestly out of any scenario I don't think you can 100% say they won't have the first pick in the draft but I honestly don't think you can say they 100% won't make it to the Super Bowl we just we don't know you know that sometimes People come in with a full head of steam and you just, you know, bottle in the lightning or whatever the saying is, and you just, you have no clue what to expect, but a realistic expectation agreeing with you, probably nine or 10 wins. The team's got to stay healthy though. That, that is the key for the Eagles this year. You got to stay healthy. You want the guys to step up when they can. If everybody can step up, I think that Zach Ertz still can help the team. Like that's another piece that people are kind of assuming Zach Ertz will be gone. But as we're getting closer and closer to the season, it's looking like he's going to make the team. I think that I don't think it's going to be a scenario where if he's on the roster week one, he's going to just sit out. Like, I think he's going to play and I think that he can still help the team. He's a veteran guy, Hall of Fame potential, obviously, with the numbers that he's been able to put up in his career. And having a guy like him for Jalen Hurts in his first full year as a starter would be key. But the Philadelphia Eagles are a team to keep your eye on. If you're the NFL, you're going to want to see what's going on. Even if you're outside of Philadelphia, keep your eyes on them. Jalen Hurts, even if he doesn't lead this team to a ton of wins, he's just a fun player to watch. He has the ability to run. He's a lesser Lamar Jackson, I would say, at this point in his career. I've heard a couple people say Russell Wilson, but let's not even begin to start that discussion. They're on a whole other level, Russell Wilson is at this point. That's the Eagles. That is going to be interesting to watch them. And as we transition from first-year starters 
and first-year coaches to the NBA with a team that is far beyond their first years, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. And I want to get sort of our thoughts on the idea that the Lakers have signed so many guys in their 30s. They're by far the oldest team in the NBA this year. Their average age is 31, which can be good or bad, but just a little bit of their acquisitions this offseason and their ages. They obviously acquired Russell Westbrook in a trade. He's 32. They signed Trevor Ariza. He's 36. Wayne Ellington's 33. Kent Bazemore's 32. Dwight Howard's 35. And Carmelo Anthony is 37. That was just a few of their offseason signees. Uh, amongst other guys, a little bit of the younger guys that they brought in, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Munn, Talon Horton Tucker. Uh, those are some of the younger pieces that they brought in. But those aside, the Los Angeles Lakers are a very old team. I uh, don't think that, that means that they're going to be bad, obviously, but they brought in the guys that if this was a roster, say, six, seven years ago, lock them in for a 70-win season and lock them in for an NBA Finals. I mean, if this is... If you had Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, LeBron, Carmelo five, six, seven years ago, I don't think a single team is stopping them. They may, they may have the most wins in NBA history. But given their current state, they're a lot older, which doesn't mean that they're worse, but their bodies don't move as well. Some of the guys can't play like they used to. Uh, I'm becoming less and less a fan of Russell Westbrook as his career continues to dwindle down. I don't think that that was necessarily the right trade for them, given that this is a three-point shooting league, and Russell Westbrook really is not a three-point shooting guy. Dwight Howard took a one-year hiatus from the Lakers with the Sixers and then returned to them. Uh, Wayne Ellington, he's still a serviceable three-point shooter. I think Trevor Ariza is more of a locker room guy than a guy who's really going to perform well on the court. And Carmelo Anthony obviously doesn't have a ring. This may be his best chance at one. Him and LeBron are good friends, same draft class, that whole thing. I really, I I don't know what to expect from the Lakers. If I had to be realistic with them, because they're so old in this league, I would say maybe a Western Conference Finals appearance where they take it to six games. I I personally don't think that they're an NBA Finals team because they're so old. And a lot of these guys, you know, they, they haven't been there despite their age and they really don't have the abilities that they used to have in their careers. Uh, They come into, you know, Anthony Davis is already there, so he's another younger piece that the Lakers have. But I just – I'm not high on the Lakers. And for people listening, they know that I'm not a LeBron person at all. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Don't don't try to debate me on that. But I think Michael Jordan's the GOAT. I'm not a big LeBron guy. It doesn't mean that I don't acknowledge his accomplishments and what he's been able to do in his career because he has been, in my opinion, the second greatest player that has ever played the game of basketball. Keep in mind that we're a couple guys in our 20s, so we didn't grow up watching Jordan. But that discussion aside, I still think that LeBron James is the second greatest player, and he really hasn't shown much signs of slowing down with how old he is. Uh, so throwing it back to you, David, what, what do you think we can expect from the Lakers? But more so, do you think that bringing on all these older players was so that they can really help the team get to a championship, or was it more of a, LeBron's career is winding down. He obviously wanted to play with a couple of these guys. A lot of them are good friends. We know that Carmelo and LeBron are close, as well as Russ and LeBron. They're close friends as well, and obviously wanting to play together. So do you think it was more of a last last little bit hoorah, like let's play together and see what we can get done? Or do you think this Lakers team is a legit contending team? 
I definitely think this Lakers team is a contending team if they stay healthy. Um, like this is a team, you know, there's no like clear front runner in the West to me. So I think that like they're easily right there and probably a little ahead of the pack. Like the Suns made it to the finals last year. The Lakers were up two one in the series uh, before AD got hurt, and it looked like the Suns just couldn't really handle their size. So so I mean the Lakers may win the championship last year if AD stays healthy. Um, not that I want to make that assumption because they only would have gotten past the first round if beat the Suns. Maybe they lose to another team, but I, I think this te- team will compete. Um, LeBron, like he was at, playing at an MVP caliber, MVP caliber level last year. I think if the season ends when he gets injured, so which is pretty much like halfway through the season, he's probably second to Embiid. Um, so like he was, like he was playing at a high level last year. It was really just the injuries that t- that took them down, and AD. Again, it's the injuries. Like, AD's not that old. So if they can stay healthy, I think they're probably a slight front runner in the, in the West to me. I think they can be a, a really good team. Um, that's obviously just nowhere close to a given. AD's struggle with injury injuries his whole career. He could go down at any second, uh, pull, pull a groin, do whatever. LeBron's, like, 37 now, 36, 37. Like, he, he's old. Uh, he's been an Ironman for most of his career, but, like, Eventually, you just get to a point where you're playing, you know, every night, playing at playing hard, playing at a high level. And when you're that old, like it, it can go at any time, just like you did last year. And you get a guy flying into your knee, and maybe when he was younger, he could have taken a hit, a hit like that, and been okay after a week or two. But you know, that that stuff kind of lingers now that he's older. And this team is easily a team that can just be wiped out with one injury to AD or LeBron, who who are, are tend to be injury prone players. Um, the age in general just doesn't worry me too much with the role players. Like when I look at role players, I'm not worried about Car- the fact that Carmelo Anthony's 36. I'm worried about the fact that Carmelo Anthony, I don't think is a rotation player on the championship team. So I, I don't like that signing, not because he's old. I just don't like that signing because I don't think he is a good enough player right now to be a rotation player, you know, on a team who's trying to win a championship. Um, so, so some of the signings I'm fine with, like the reason signing, like that's the guy who started in the playoffs last year for the heat. Um, so I think maybe he can help them. So his age doesn't bother me. It's the opposite with Carmelo. So I'm not too worried about the age with like some of the rotation players they brought in. Like Dwight Howard, like wasn't great, wasn't very good in the playoffs last year. He's probably not the best backup guy I could want uh, there. But you know he helps with rim protection. Something they are missing. And, and, last and he, time. he did win the championship with the Lakers a couple of years ago. So yeah. kind of he, he he knows what they're about. Yeah, he was a piece. He was kind of like it was kind of a narrative, like oh, they're really missing a Dwight Howard type player, a guy who can defend the rim um, and just be kind of a lob threat and just be big. Um, so, like his age doesn't really worry me. I'm I'm just looking at like are these players going to help going to help the team win a championship? Are these good role players? And I think some of the players they brought in, uh, like Wayne Ellington and Trevor Reza, I think are solid role players that can help you. Uh, you know, win a championship, either even though they're you know into their 30s, and some you know like Carmelo, I just wasn't really a fan of Dwight Howard too. Just not, not really a fan of. I don't think they're necessarily good enough at this point in their career uh, to warrant a rotation spot on that team. Um, so I think that they, I think it all comes down to are LeBron and AD going to be healthy? If they are healthy next season in the playoffs, I think that i would have them as a slight front, front as a slight front runner if they're not healthy they're not going to win a game like they're not going to win a series or two series in the playoffs now that that's a very very interesting take on that the age doesn't so much worry you it's it's more of what their abilities are at this point 
which I, I could argue has something to do with their age. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony is not the Carmelo Anthony of the Nuggets or even the Knicks. Uh, but no, the thing for me that I found really interesting that I wasn't a fan of at all. Uh, for the listeners out there who don't know, David is obviously a huge just Russell Westbrook guy. That's that's just kind of one of his his guys. But I really was not a fan of what they gave up. I felt like Kuzma for who he is, and then Montrez Harrell and KCP. That you get rid of them to bring in Russell Westbrook was that really smart for them? And I would say no, only because those are three guys who are all younger than Russell Westbrook, and I think that together their games kind of you know, mix better with the Lakers and what Russell Westbrook's is going to be because you gave up Harold and now he's replaced by Dwight Howard. Was that really an upgrade? I think it was more of a downgrade. If you ask me Kuzma, you know, looking at who they signed his replacement, maybe Ariza, maybe Kent Bazemore. I don't know. Those guys are a little bit older. I don't think they have as much in the tank as Kuzma has for as much as Kuzma can be a frustrating watch. KCP, is very hot, cold, but is he really much better or worse than Wayne Ellington? You know, Wayne, Wayne Ellington, he, he's got the three ball, but overall I would say that those guys probably match up pretty well one-on-one in terms of who they got. But overall, I wasn't a fan of the Russell Westbrook trade, and that was the trade that sort of started the free agency frenzy for the Lakers and bringing in these older guys and retooling. And I there's just something about that trade didn't sit well with me with, okay, like I understand that Russell Westbrook, he's an LA guy. He loves LeBron. Uh, That's just sort of, he played for UCLA. Obviously that was where he went to school. So LA is his city. He lives there in the off season. That's where he wanted to be. But if he wants to get a championship, he's really, he is really going to have to adjust how he plays the game of basketball. If he wants to win it with LA, because he's a very need the ball in his hands kind of guy. But I would argue at this point of his career, so was LeBron. Carmelo is a strictly ISO player at this point. So if Melo is going to ISO, LeBron and Westbrook are just going to stand around. You know, they're not going to be much hands-on with the ball. Uh, Dwight Howard, he's going to he's going to frustrate you. We saw that last year. Sixers fans saw it last year with his offensive fouls, with kind of the stupidity that he has from from you know moment to moment. Malik Monk is a guy that they brought in. And he'll give you some threes occasionally. He's probably not going to get much minutes. Kendrick Nunn, I thought, was an interesting signing because he really was very solid for the Heat, but sort of lost down the rotation last year. And so it'll be interesting to see where he stands. But sort of going back to your point about the abilities, I just I want to get your take on the Russell Westbrook trade only because I know that you're a big Russell Westbrook guy. For me, I thought that they lost out on that trade because I feel like they really invested on the next two years maximum is their window with this team that they just brought in. Really, it's one year because most of these guys they brought in were one-year deals, although I could see like a Wayne Ellington and a Mello signing a one-year deal after this year if they don't win. I'm not sure how many more years Russell Westbrook has on his deal, but I would say he's got two years max before he really is kind of you know, career-wise almost over with. So they got about a two-year window max, and I would say that Harold Kuzma and KCP are the type of players that more long-term for the Lakers, the middle with LeBron still here, forget the future. If we can get one more in the next two years, that did, but throwing it back to you, David, the Russell Westbrook train. Did you like it? Did you not? Why or why not? And really, how do you think he meshes with the Lakers? If at all, or do you think he's going to be 
sort of an outlier because he is so hands-on with the ball. Yeah, I, I'm a little torn on the on the Westbrook thing. I, like, you, you just can't defend you can't defend like the point that everyone's bringing up that like spacing it's it's just going to harm the spacing that already it's, it's, wasn't. It's great. going to be terrible because most you got guys on the court like LeBron and Westbrook who need the hand ball in their hands. Say they throw Melo out there, he needs the ball in his hands. You know, AD. I don't think he's the best at off ball movement. Dwight Howard, he's going to have some offensive fouls, but didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're making it's true that the spacing on the floor is going to be horrendous, at least for the beginning of the year. Yeah. So, like, that's like just the obvious, like, you can't compare, you can't defend like that, that, that it's going to be harmful in a certain regard with, with the type of player Westbrook is. He's a, a terrible three point shooter. Um, he, he's, you know, doesn't line up. We saw, we saw Lakers have success when they put LeBron, AD, Three shooters around them. You know, let AD and, and LeBron work down low, drive inside, and kick out if they need to do the shooters to KCP to whoever it was. Caruso really improved his shooting, so he could be out there with them. Um, so when when the three of them are out there, now you're like really limiting your options. Now you kind of like have to put kind of like Wayne Ellington and maybe like Malik Monk out there with them. I feel or something like that. Maybe a reason is is good enough of a three point shooter still to be out there, but now you're really limiting your, your options who to put, who the, the next two out there are. Cause you can't put Dwight Howard out there with Westbrook, LeBron, AD. You just can't like, it, you just can't do it. Only then you only have one guy in the court. Who's like an above average three point shooter. And in this league, you can't get away with that. So it really limits your options when all three of them are out there. Even if you have two knockdown shooters with them, it's still a little rough. Like if if Westbrook has the ball, what's LeBron going to be doing? He's not really much of an off ball mover at this point in his career. Same with Westbrook. He he doesn't you know put an effort to move around off ball, get open. And even if he does, like oh, oh no, he's shooting a three. The defense is going to be fu- completely fine with that. Um, so like obviously like there's problems with this move. At the same time, I'm not I'm not as down on the move as as a lot of people. I think it was fine. Um, as far as the window goes, their window starts and ends with LeBron. Like once he goes, uh, which he only probably has one, two, maybe three more like years as a top five to maybe even 10 player in the league. So your window starts and ends with LeBron. Westbrook's not that old. So like, they'll be, I don't mind like the, the whole eight, the age thing. Cause like once LeBron goes, like we saw what AD did, um, with like an okay team around him in, in, uh, New Orleans. Like it just wasn't a play. It wasn't even, a, it was barely a playoff team. They got like the six seed. Uh, a year and and actually did win the series, but like AT can't AD can't lead a team by himself to to a championship. So your window starts and ends with LeBron. So it, I don't mind you know giving away a young guy like Kuzma to get Westbrook, who's in his uh, low thirties. Um, so that doesn't worry me at all. And this really helps in the regular season, I, I think, because you can just sit LeBron more. You can put Russell out there um, and just say, all right, Ross, like you have the ball. Go do what what you want. Go get your assists. Go get your points. Um, and I think that he can, you know, it. The Lakers just were terrible with LeBron off the court, which the the, the team with LeBron's always terrible with him off the court. That's like a big thing in his career. The the on off splits with him, but like this year, I think they can be better. They can rest him more, um, give him less minutes, and you can kind of just hand rust the ball and let him do his thing. Um, but that necessarily won't work in the playoffs. So I like I kind of like the move for the regular season, but it's just like. I want I, I as you said like I'm a Westbrook fan I've, I've liked them you know way before he was you know a good player I loved them you know when he was young on the Thunder before they went went on their runs I've always loved Russ just his work ethic everything he puts into the game I've always loved him but like I I'm trying to find a way to defend this and the best I can come up with is it can help in the regular season a little bit but just in the playoffs like I just don't see 
I, it's just going to be a big hurdle for them to overcome. Yeah, there's there's no denying Russell Westbrook's intensity. There's no denying that he's going to give it his all until he ends his career. He's going to go out guns ablaze and he's going to attack the rim. But with that being said, when you attack the rim and then the guys, if they climb you and double team you when you attack the rim, if your options for three point shooting while you're out there is Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Um, you know, Kemp Bays where he, he's average. Uh, Wayne Ellington really is probably going to be their best three-point shooter. But there are not many options that when Russ drives, they kick it out to where it's like, oh, yes, like this is a reliable three-point shooter. You just you don't have that on the team. I know that you definitely you want to see Russ win a ring. I'm uh, He's borderline probably already a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know about first ballot given his stats alone. But if he were to get a ring, then I would boost him to first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt because of just his overall arching career and how he's played. And this is a team that I think that Los Angeles is going to be woken up to the fact that, okay, at times they're going to be like, oh, they're really excited now. We got Carmelo. We got Russ. We got LeBron. We got Anthony Davis. What are you going to do when two of those guys go down to injuries? What are you going to do when Anthony Davis is out for an extended period of time and then LeBron rolls an ankle or Russ has some sort of hamstring pull or Melo needs to sit out for who knows whatever reason. And like you said, it's really – if the season ended at the regular season, the Lakers may may as well be the champions because they have the ability to sit two, three of those guys a night, and it's like, okay, they're playing like the Hornets. All right, well, LeBron probably doesn't want to play against the Hornets. Russ might not want to play. Melo might want to sit out. A team like that, a lesser team, maybe against the Magic – Carmelo doesn't feel like traveling or doesn't, you know, you know, they're older guys at the end of their career. They can have these options, but come playoff time, you can't sit Russ and LeBron back-to-back games, or you can't let Anthony Davis get injured while also having Melo and Wayne Ellington having some tightness in their back or whatever it is. Like you said, when it comes to the regular season, this seems going to be great. They're going to be a fun watch. When it comes to the playoffs, the age is going to show, and they're really going to not have, they can't have the ability to sit these guys like you do in the regular season, an 82-game season, you can sit LeBron, even if he's uninjured, 10, 15, 20 games, just to let him rest for the playoffs. Or Russ, you know, he can sit out all these different options that you have in the regular season, but the playoffs is where the championship is won. And I just don't think this team has this steam. I don't think that they're going to have the ability or the spacing to win a championship. But I do agree with you, going back to an earlier point, that the West really this year should be wide open. The number one seed last year was the Jazz. I really don't think that they're a legit number one team. I think that they were just kind of elite last year and happened to be the one seed. And we saw that because they got eliminated in the second round by the Clippers. Clippers is another interesting team that we you know they're going to have Paul George and Kawhi. They're going to be super competitive. The Suns will be the Suns. Who knows how well they're going to come back and compete amongst other teams there. The Nuggets are always going to be a talked-about team as a top five or six team. The Trailblazers gets really, really interesting with the Damian Lillard story that people are daily, I know I am, daily updating Twitter to see if either the Sixers made a move or if Damian Lillard requested out. So the West is wide open, even for a team with this old. I'm more worried about the age than you are. But, David, before we move on, Los Angeles Lakers, given these pieces, realistically, are they an NBA championship contender? I know that you said earlier that you think they can be, but realistically, 
are they legitimate contenders or just a regular season team that you think fizzles out by the second or third round of the playoffs? No, I think, I think, I think they can be contenders if they're healthy. Um, like Russ has his problems, but I mean, he, he's still a top 40, 50 player in the NBA. And what did you give up to get him? You gave up Kuzma, who's like a low, a low caliber playoff rotation guy. Uh, KCP, who during the championship run was, you know, was good for them. But last year he, he struggled. So he's, he's like a bench guy. And Harrell's proved the last two, three years that he's just not very playable in the playoffs. So you didn't really give up too much to get him. Um, there's the upside there with Russ. Uh, he's still, you know, averaged a triple-double last year. He's still a good player. The spacing really worries me. But, I mean, you have LeBron there, one of the greatest to ever do it. You, like, they, they can figure it out, I think, with him there. Um, and AD, you know, he like he can space out. I think you're really just going to be forced to play him as your center now, which he's something he's been reluctant to do. But he can space out. He can hit a three. LeBron's improved um, as a three-point shooter. Um so I, I, th- I think that they can be in the same tier with the Jazz, the Clippers, uh, the Suns, uh, and be a real contender to the playoffs. Interesting take. I personally don't think that they're legit contenders for the championship. I think that if they were in the East, I think that they would have a much tougher time getting to the finals. I think that the after seeing last year and knowing what the East is comprised of, I think that the East now is sort of the more dominant part of the NBA. Obviously, the Nets. The Sixers are going to be the Sixers. Ben Simmons or not, they they retooled their team pretty well. And whoever they trade Simmons for, they're going to bring in someone who's really going to help that team quickly. Obviously, the Bucks are the defending champions. The Heat are always going to be a team that's talked about as a you know an underdog team to get there. So I think that if the Lakers were in the East, they'd have a lot bit of a tougher time. I think that the West really has – the Suns can do what they did last year. It'll be really tough for the Lakers. If the Clippers – which I feel like has been the case for the Clippers as a franchise, their entire franchise, if the Clippers, the big word if, can stay healthy and fully perform, they will give the Lakers a run for their money. But overall, I do not think that the Lakers are a legit contender for the NBA championship. Well, uh, you, you don't you don't seem too high on any of the other teams. So who who's gonna who's gonna beat the who's like the team then that, that's gonna beat them? Who's who's this, you know, I mean team I, that's I, better way better than them. I wouldn't. I don't playoffs. think any team is way better. I just so why can't they? So, so why aren't they a contender in your mind? If I had to pick a contender right now, I would probably pick the Clippers over them. I it's just some. It just doesn't sit well with me the way that their spacing isn't as good and their roster is. Again, I think the age is a bigger deal than a lot of people do think. But I don't. I don't think a team is wildly better than them. But I also just I don't see the Lakers as a legit contender in my mind. I think I, I personally believe that the Clippers would beat them in seven. I think that the Nuggets are a very underrated team. They made it to the second round even without Jamal Murray. I think that they would be able to push the Lakers to seven, and then that's a one game thing. I mean, Jokic is definitely better than Anthony Davis in most sides of the in most aspects of basketball. Maybe not defensively, but I think that the Nuggets would be able to give them a run for their money. The Jazz are the Jazz. It's just it is it is what it is. If the Trail see the Trailblazers really kind of screwed themselves this offseason because Damian Lillard really wanted pieces and they didn't get pieces. So I think that they're that they're kind of on the downward trend. I don't think that they're going to be anything special. But the Nuggets and Clippers are a team that I would take in a seven game series over the Lakers if you were to ask me. So you know that's at least two teams that I don't think the Lakers are legit contenders. But 
I could be very wrong. Anybody who's out there as a LeBron fan thinks that this team is going to win the championship, probably sweep through and win 16 straight playoff games. That's just, that's just how it's going to be. But moving on from that to move into our last topic earlier, we talked about Jalen hurts. Who's a first year starter, but not a first year quarterback as last year was his rookie year. But I want to stick with the idea of rookie quarterbacks for this year. Cause there was five quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft this year. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance went one, two, three. Then you had Chicago taking Justin Fields at 11 and Mac Jones, new new England at 15 in the first round of the NFL draft. And looking at it, I would say at least two of these guys are going to start the year as the team starter, depending on how things go, it could be upwards of three or four. But I think that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are locks to be the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year for their teams. I think that it would really take an injury to Andy Dalton for Justin Fields to start. Um, if you saw the interview today with Andy Dalton, he said that you know the team's going to do what they can to help Justin Fields, and he has a bright future. But for now, he's the starter or something along those lines. I don't think that was the exact quote. And then Mac Jones, that whole situation, I believe Kim Newton's going to start. So really another situation where an injury would really have to take place for Mac Jones to start. But that being said, it doesn't mean that those guys aren't going to see playing time this year. Uh, I have my pick, but I'm going to go to David first, and we're going to kind of bounce off of each other and say who we think is going to be the most successful quarterback, rookie quarterback in their rookie year. Not long-term, one season, their rookie season, who will be the most successful. David, I want to throw it to you. For you, first-round quarterbacks this year in their rookie year, who's, who do you think is going to be the most successful? I'm going to stick it out with Trevor. Uh, he's the number one pick in the draft. He's you know one of the best quarterback prospects we've had in a long while. So it's the obvious answer, but I think the the real reason I'm looking out for for Trevor and, and the Jaguars is because um, the Patriots like they're, they're not winning that division. The Bills are going to win that division. Jets aren't winning that division either. So those guys are like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson maybe are fighting for a playoff spot. Probably not. The Bears aren't going to beat the Packers for that division unless Justin Fields comes in as like the rookie of the year or something. Um, the, the 49ers could fight in that division, but that's like the toughest division in football. Um, and if they start out well, they will probably just keep Jimmy G as their starter because I think Jimmy G probably starts week one. Um, so if they are like a, a division-winning caliber team, I, th- I think that there's a decent chance Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter for the majority of the time there. The Jaguars, though, are in a division where the Texans are, are the worst team in the league. The Colts, you know, Wentz just got injured. The Colts are where kind of an average to maybe slightly above average roster then, but they could be starting a fifth-round quarterback um, to start the season, and Wentz is extremely injury-prone, so he could just get re-injured easily. So I don't have a ton of faith in the Colts, and they have some holes on that roster. And while I like the Titans, I think they're going to have a very good offense. Their defense is is not great. Uh, they, they got some real holes in that defense. So I don't think they're any, a juggernaut by any stretch. Uh, the Jaguars, I think... Like best case scenario, if Trevor's good, which he's supposed to be, he's he's like the the most highly touted prospect I've seen in in forever um, since his freshman year. We've been talking about Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. So he's he's supposed to be really good. The reports are in, in camp with that he looks the he, he looks the part. He's gonna be good. That defense in Jacksonville, it, it's not it's not great. Um, but neither is the Titans. If they can kind of keep up with uh, with with the Titans' offense, or Julio gets injured or something like that, I think that the Jaguars. It's not out of the picture that 
they finish first in this division. I think they can be fighting for the division because I think the offense can be above average. The defense is probably is probably going to struggle, but you know you have some weapons there in Jacksonville. He has Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chenault, uh, there in Jacksonville. Some solid so some solid receivers there, um, and I think that you know, with the weapons there, they have they have a, a, a nice offensive line there. Not great, but not not bad. Like an average offensive line. If they can keep them upright, I think he has the talent to really fight in this division for this team. Um, and I don't think you can say that for most of the other teams. Maybe the 49ers, but like Jimmy Garoppolo is could start the whole year. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy in Jacksonville. So we don't necessarily know if Trey Lance is, is going to start a game. Um, so he's going to be my pick there. And yeah, keep in mind the Jaguars did cut Tim Tebow, you know, absolute huge blow to that, yeah. to the head team. They're really uh, going to miss his blocking. Their, their running back situation is also interesting because you have James Robinson, who was really a standout guy and someone that no one expected to step up. But then they also drafted Travis and ETN, who was Trevor Lawrence's running back at Clemson. So no, no doubt you make you make a good argument there. Uh, one that I guess I wasn't totally thinking about when I made my pick. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is probably the right answer. I'm not going to lie, but this would not be an interesting back and forth if we both agree with Trevor Lawrence and the topic would be over right now. But I do, as much as you brought him up, I, I honestly think that Trey Lance will have the best rookie year. And I'm saying this, number one, because he's very, he's a, he came from the same school as Carson Wentz. So, you know, raw talent, not a ton of footage on him. He's got a big arm like Wentz did. Those Midwestern guys, that tends to be their thing. Josh Allen, also a Midwestern guy that they come out with raw talent, but huge arms. Trey Lance is very athletic. I would argue more athletic than Carson Wentz coming out of college. I think that the roster around him, it's not exceptional, but it's serviceable to a point where it shocks a lot of people. I mean, Raheem Mostert, when he's healthy, is a very underappreciated running back. He can give you 100-yard games. I think Debo Samuel, again, when he plays, has the ability to be top 25, top 30 receiver. Brandon Ayuk came onto the scene last year. Very solid rookie. This is going to be his second year. I think he has the ability to be a top 15 wide receiver if he plays the whole year and starts. Then you have Mohamed Sanu, who passed his prime, but he's a veteran guy in the locker room. And they do have George Kittle, who top two or three tight end in the league who is definitely going to be very helpful for a young guy like Trey Lance. But the argument here, which is an extremely valid one, is that Trey Lance is not number one on the depth chart. It is Jimmy Garoppolo. But the reason my confidence is in Trey Lance as being the best rookie quarterback this year is Jimmy Garoppolo. I just, I feel like every time I hear stories on him, it's, oh, he's had a really good camp or he's looking really good. And then he's just a dud or he gets hurt. Ever since, ever since he left, he got to the Super Bowl. I get that. But since that Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, it's just he's there's just been stories on him that he, he's injured or he's not exceptional. I just I think that by week five or six, Garoppolo is going to be either injured or not performing to their ability. They're probably going to be one and four, two and three, one and five, just not a very competitive team. And that's again, like you said, in a division with Arizona, Seattle, and LA with Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, now Matthew Stafford at the helm for the Rams, that's a division that if you fall behind two or three games, that is very, very hard to come back from. And so I think that they're going to fall behind. And by week five, six, seven, 
Trey Lance is going to take over and perform very well because there's not going to be much known about him. It might be sort of a situation where he comes in and teams don't know what to do. So the first few weeks, he performs very well. The fans are going to call for Trey Lance. And that's another thing. If the 49ers not performing and Garoppolo is not doing well, the fans are going to want Trey Lance. And I understand that the fans, obviously, they have no say in the roster moves. But do you really want to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo if you're one in five and you're two, three games out from the division already? You're going to want to make that change. And they just cut Josh Rosen. You're not going to bring in Nate Sudfeld. I mean, you're just not going to do that. You're not going to let Trey Lance sit there. So I think that Trey Lance has a very great shot at some point during this year starting. And I think it's going to be earlier than people expect. And I think that he is going to be very exciting to watch. I personally am excited to see him. I think that he's got a lot of potential. I think that he's Carson West, Carson Wentz-esque. And I'm not just saying that because they went to the same school, but big arm, mobile, and they just they, they kind of look to me like they have similar games. Uh, Trey Lance is a quarterback that the big arm is going to excite you. His running ability is going to catch people off guard. He's no Lamar Jackson. He's no Russell Wilson, but he has the ability to move and get out of the pocket if he needs to, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo really doesn't have that mobility. And this is a team with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, where he mostered, and then drafting Trey Sermon. They're, these are guys that are on the move, and they're quick on their feet, and Garoppolo is not. So that's really going to hinder them and their ability to play football, especially if you want to be a faster-moving offense, get up to the line. I think that when you have a quarterback like Trey Lance who is mobile, then it really makes the defense think and game plan differently than when you have a Jimmy Garoppolo who isn't that mobile and likes to stay in the pocket. So I think that Trey Lance definitely has the ability to be the best rookie quarterback in his rookie year because I do not have any faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um but I do find it interesting. I think it's kind of funny that you and I sort of play out the idea that's not going to be Zach Wilson who was number two pick or Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Now, long term, I think Justin Fields could be the number two guy out of this. I mean, we've seen him play one preseason game, but he looked great. They just need to get a couple more pieces around him. But I don't think that for the rookie year, because Andy Dawn is on that roster, that's going to be Justin Fields. Um, it. I have an interesting question for you, David, that I'm curious about. If you were to remove, so take away records. Records aren't a thing. And then all five of these guys are starting. Do you think that, would that rearrange for you a little bit after, I still think that for you, Trevor Lawrence would be number one, regardless of the situations. After Trevor Lawrence, if all these guys were starting and records were irrelevant and it was just the stats, who do you like behind Trevor Lawrence as the number two rookie quarterback? I'd I'd agree with Lance, and and I like I like Fields. I'm a little higher on Zach Wilson than some. He has he seems like he's like the pop that like but who's going to bust? It's going to be Zach Wilson. A lot of people seem to be more down on him. Uh, like I like uh, most of these these quarterback pro- prospects outside of Mac Jones. Um, but I, and I I would say Trey Lance. The main argument for you is Trey Lance is I just think there's a decent chance um, he's he's not not starting uh, as many games as. Uh, certainly Lawrence and Wilson because they're the starter as, as long as they're healthy. And even Fields, I think Fields is a better chance to overtake Dalton before Lance overtakes Jimmy G just because, you know, look at the 49 schedule. They face the Lions week one. That should be a win. The Eagles week two, we talked about them. We have high hopes, but that's still one of the weaker teams. I think they could really start off 2-0 and uh, there. And then you get into the Packers, that's tough. And Seahawks-Cardinals is a division thing. But if you can be just 3-2, and two, you, you might have two easy wins at the start. If you can win one, one or two of those division games, Get to, there's a good chance that they're 
three and two, and they could definitely, uh, you know, they definitely should win the first two games because the team around him is good, which is why I think whoever you put there can, can succeed. So if you're telling me that they're, he's definitely starting, I'm going to say he's the number two guy because I actually do believe in his talent, and he has Kittle, who's a great tight end, Ayuk Debo, if they're healthy, two good receivers. He has better weapons and fields, better weapons than, than Lawrence, and certainly better weapons than uh, the AFC East quarterbacks. The problem to me is I just think Jimmy Garoppolo is still a, a solid player, and I think that like this team is going to be competitive with him as their starter if they're healthy, and that Trey Lance just might not get to see the field uh, this year. No, it's definitely I, – I, I totally understand what you're saying, and it's really all solid points that – the only thing really hindering, and I think it's it's not just you. I think it's a lot of people. The one thing that's hindering from them being so high on Trey Lance is that Jimmy Garoppolo is there. Um, but again, Garoppolo is a guy who really he struggled with injuries at time in his career, so he really hasn't had that ability to step up. I mean, looking two of the last three seasons, last year he only played six games, and he had the sixteen games where they went to the Super Bowl, and the year before that he only played three games where he was hurt. So it really, two of the last three years, he's played less than seven games. And that's not a trend that any coach or team likes to see. So it, he's one of those guys where it almost seems like some point in the season, an injury is going to be inevitable. Just it's just it's just who he is. He just he gets hurt, kind of like Carson Wentz. When the Eagles traded him, well, most of Philadelphia was like, you can have him, Indianapolis, an injury is inevitable. And then look what happened. An injury happened while he was practicing. He's just there. There's guys out there that have talent, but injuries just tend to follow them wherever they go. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo at some point is going to be injured. And I think that for the first couple games that he's injured and Trey Lance steps in, he's going to perform well. They may say that Jimmy Garoppolo is out for three games. I don't know what stretch of games that would be, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance were to go two and one with Garoppolo sitting out because teams just don't know how to game plan for him at all. There's not much footage on him. There's not much of a scouting report because he hasn't played a whole lot. So I think that Trey Lance, he's going to have the best rookie year because I think that Garoppolo will be hurt. I think that Trey Lance will step up, and he's going to be more exciting. Teams aren't going to know what to do. And this is more of, for me, a stats and eye test sort of view than it is more of a record view because you're right. Trevor Lawrence is by far in the weakest division in terms of quarterbacks that are coming out of the rookie class. For instance, he's got to compete with another rookie quarterback, potentially Mac Jones, but then also Cam Newton. And you have Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to win. Tua has been a huge disappointment, so who knows what the Dolphins are going to do. But then you have Trey Lance there. If he is the starter, he's going against Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and Kyler Murray. And that's just he's the fourth best quarterback there between that, that group. So it's going to be difficult for him. And like you said, Justin Fields, he, I, I think that you, I would agree with you that I would agree with you that I think talent wise, I think Justin Fields, if it was just a talent matchup, he has a better chance of overtaking Andy Dalton than Trey Lance does have of taking Garoppolo. Cause I think Garoppolo is a lot better than Andy Dalton, but I think that there's more injury opportunity for Garoppolo there. Uh, so for you, David, because you picked Trevor Lawrence, before we close out this podcast, I'm generally curious because I don't know the answer to this. Do you real do you think that Trevor Lawrence can get the Jaguars to the playoffs in his rookie year, given the state of the division? Like, do you think that it is very realistic for them to get to the playoffs with Trevor Lawrence at the helm? Yeah, I, th- I think it's realistic for them just because 
like just the teams in that division, like Troy Lance is fighting, like that's just easily the, the best division of football. Like move one, any of those teams, move them to the NFC East, swap them with a team there. They're going to, they're going to win that division with maybe 13 wins. So they're going five and one, six, nine, that division. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Lawrence is playing uh, in a division where you got the worst team in the league. And then you got a team that's really struggling with their quarterback position. Wentz is already injured. I didn't, the, the, he got injured before the preseason even started. And uh, the Titans, the, Titan, the Titans, I think, are going to be good. I would, if I, if I had to bet on a division winner, I'm betting on the Titans. But I think the Jaguars are going to be there fighting with the Titans for that spot. And uh, I think Lawrence is just a good enough player already. I think he's going to step in and be an above average quarterback there in Jacksonville. Um, you know, with those weapons there, with a decent offensive line. I forgot to mention, you know, DJ Shark there, another wide receiver. And you mentioned Etienne, who's his college teammate, who's a really good pass catcher. I think he has the weapons around him for them to have an above average offense uh, with him playing at an above average level. And I think that will make them uh, fighting for the, for the division with the Titans. No doubt that looking at these rookie quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence has the best chance at leading his team to the playoffs, like you just said. I don't give the Jets or Patriots much chance at all against the Patriots. I really don't think that a Justin Fields-led Chicago is going to beat an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers. I honestly don't even know. I think that Jared Goff and the Lions, I don't think that they're going to be great, but I think that that's an interesting fit to watch how that team plays out. And then, like you said, Trey Lance, really, that that is the best division in football. And really, you could swap them into any division, and they'd be competing for the – and you take any of those other three teams in the NFC West into any other division, and they're competing for the top spot in any division in football. That's just how it is. They're, they're very solid teams. But, no, I agree with you. I think that seeing Jacksonville back in the playoffs with Trevor Lawrence, it would not shock me at all. Trevor Lawrence is just a winner. That's who he is. He wins games. He's a big player. Uh, it'll be, I'll be interested to see how he does health-wise in the NFL. I think that he'll be just fine. If he does go down, forget it. I don't think Garner Minshew is necessarily going to lead them anywhere. Maybe they re-sign Tim Tebow back at a quarterback. I think that there would be an absolute riot in the NFL fandom if that were to be the case. But, no, totally on board with you. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised to see the Jaguars vying for a wild card spot in the AFC, too, to be honest with you. They could – he could – Trevor Lawrence could have them up there at eight, nine wins depending on how the AFC lays out, and they could be right in there for the competition. So totally agree with you on that point. I think that Trey Lance, I would say Trey Lance next year will be the starter and will be such a fun watch. I think he's going to be, I could see him also being somewhat like a Jalen hurts where you got the, the, you know, the year that number two on the team, but then some sort of injury happens or the guy doesn't perform. Well, you get a few games at the end of the year, I think is a more realistic expectation. And then he takes over next year, but, I think Garoppolo is going to get injured early on and Trey Lance is going to take over and take the league by storm. But that is David and I with our points on the rookie quarterbacks. And that comes to the conclusion of this podcast. But I do have some very, very exciting news for you. The Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. We will keep the podcast going as well as we can. But we do have the Bushy Baller Brand Show, which is coming to WCUR Westchester, 91.7 FM in the Chester County region. It will be Saturdays, 11 a.m. to noon. Make sure that you tune in on Saturdays. I will be there most Saturdays. I will try to have David in as frequently as possible. There may be a couple Saturdays where I'm either away or not feeling well. You never know. But the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast, we will do our best to continue the podcast as well midweek. 
and then the Bushy Baller Brand Show, WCUR Westchester, 91 FM in the Chester County region. Again, that's Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And you can listen to that if you're in the Chester County area on FM 91.7. Or if you are not, then you can go on to the website. Just look up WCUR Westchester on Google. Click on the website and you will be able to listen to us live. And once we get that up and running, I'll give you more details, how you are able to call into the show, maybe possibly get a couple of you into the studio as well. Very exciting. We're looking forward to that as the semester gets closer and closer. David, any last thoughts here as we get closer to the NFL season? Any last comments on the NFL, the NBA? Just any last comments you have? I don't have any comments except that it's football just can't come at any sooner. Even though the Eagles could finish, who's my favorite team, could finish with three wins. Doesn't matter. I'll watch every game. I'll be there with you guys. You're talking football in the season. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, the NFL season, like you said, only three game preseason, 17 game regular season this year, new implemented into the NFL this year. We certainly look forward to the kickoff. The Eagles' first game, week one, September 12th against the Falcons, will be, in my opinion, a very telling game to see how that goes. For David Shane, I am Christian Bushy White. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us the listens. And we are so excited for the Bushy Baller brand show to be taking off here in the next month. Always appreciate the support. And we will see you next time.